Let's go. Welcome to Curiouser and Curiouser. This is Sadio. I am laughing at that introduction, and I'm sure our guest has PTSD listening to that song. Uh, that's the famous, um, it's a song called Life is Life. I'm laughing because it's by an Austrian band. That's an inside joke uh, for me, but um, it's also, I think, by American standards, um, kind of a funny song, but it's obviously famous because uh, the great Diego Maradona was uh, practicing to that song and it became kind of what we would call today a meme because he was so extraordinary in his practice and that was the song that was being played in the background. Um, and so I just played that because uh, I thought it would be funny. But um, welcome to Curiouser and Curiouser. Um, we have a, uh, special guest today, uh, who is not only a friend, but also, uh, somebody that played, uh, professional soccer, uh, and he played for, uh, one of the best football clubs in the world, uh, PSG, uh, known as Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, and, um, we're going to talk to him about his career and just a little bit of housekeeping. We will take sort of questions and calls during this, and I will, try to reset the room as we go along. Um, but uh, just get into the queue. And if we don't call you immediately, it's because middle of a conversation, we will stop and uh, start to take calls and questions. You can also just put them in the chat. Um, so we regularly do this show on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, but uh, we are going to do them as we have uh, good guests and good topics. And uh, speaking of a good guest and a good topic, uh, oh, and I should say one more thing before I introduce Jonathan. Um, please do uh, subscribe uh, and like the episode if it's of interest. Um, and with that, I want to introduce uh, Jonathan Famery Mariani, who um, played for PSG for uh, a good chunk of his life, I think almost 12 years. Uh, and um, he played in the pros. He ended up um, eventually leaving the life of soccer uh, to do something even more extraordinary, which was to go back to school, um, which uh, is not a uh, insignificant feat when you've played at that level to come back to a classroom. Uh, and then when he graduated uh, from college, he went to Brown University in the United States. Uh, he went on to work for a series of startups um, and in finance, and he can talk about about that um, and uh, is now working in fintech. But I want to introduce uh, Jonathan Family Mariani. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. Of course, of course. It's so I'm so happy to have you here. Yeah, the the the, the song choice was definitely uh, <laughs> wonderful. I, I I'm I'm I'm, gra I'm glad you you kept. <laughs> kept it on and on and on i'm like we're gonna work we're gonna listen to it for like 20 seconds but it was a, a good screaming so i appreciate the 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 timing and uh and the choice very very good choice did uh so were you laughing when you heard it or were you like oh my god uh i i was not laughing i was more uh uh full of emotion i mean it's it's definitely really? one of the, of the song that you listen when you get inside the inside the pitch or on the pitch um so usually when the players are going into the stadium, you have one song per stadium. And, and this one is um, is a song used by uh, the Olympique de Marseille, which is one of the the revolt of PSG, which uh, is always a really good uh, 
good music song and a lot of uh, a lot of ambience and a lot of rivalry uh, through those games. So really, really good choice. Oh, see, so it's so great. So to me, I laugh because it's, you know, the song in English doesn't make sense. Life is life and or live is life. And because it's an Austrian band, you know, I uh, uh, had a Austrian partner at one time and we would just laugh. I was like, what does that even mean? And then I know that I saw it in conjunction with why it's famous, which is uh, Maradona warming up and um, and watching him and that song, I can completely understand how you have sort of emotions. So I didn't know. So I actually thought you would laugh and think it was funny, but that's really interesting. Wow. So it's a big deal. And he passed away just recently, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um... And you can leave the mic thing off if you if it's a problem coming back on and off. Um, yeah, there is a, a small delay on on the on the mute. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Just leave yeah. it off. But um, yeah, I mean the the song has has different different uh, meanings and different um, um, relationship with with the players, with the coach, with the stadium, with the fans. And um, yeah, Maradona was definitely a, an idol for for a lot of, for a lot of people, and he was. Um, Definitely um, regarded as as an example. So this song yeah. is definitely a, a souvenir that is linked to uh, to his person. Yeah, yeah, and it's a big deal. So when that song comes on, it's 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 sort of iconic. Yeah. Um, so okay, so I want to start uh, then with who you are, and before you sort of tell us your story, I'm just going to give an outline for the audience. So. Um, you know, you basically divide, uh, devoted like most of your life, essentially over half of your life to playing professional soccer. You completed training um, in the top professional leagues and you're French. Uh, and I was going to say obviously, but it's actually not obvious. Um, uh, top professional leagues in France. And then you ended up um, uh, at, for, for, for PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, which is one of the top football clubs, uh, definitely in, in France and then in the world. And so you left when you were pretty young. I mean, you left when you were really a kid to join the boarding schools. I want to hear a little bit about that. Um, and altogether, you played something like 300 games worldwide uh, in the United States and Europe. Um, and you were, as one would expect, training incredibly intensively. I want to go into like what that actually looks like for a professional athlete. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to hear about your background. And I also want to say it's really funny. You trained intensively. And I remember once, I don't know if you remember this, John, but you and I um, in New York, I took you to one of the classes, one of my classes <laughs> in the gym. Do you remember that? <laughs> so she was like a karate. She was an Italian. Like she does like, uh, you know, like yeah, kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I took you there and, <laughs> and I thought, you know, I was like, he's this guy, he's not going to like keep up because it's a pretty <laughs> intense class for Equinox. And she came and she's a huge soccer fan and she picked you out and she, she's never friendly with anybody. Very, very popular instructor. <laughs> she came off the stage to say, who are you? Cause she immediately <laughs> saw the way you were moving and was like, I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. That was funny. So clearly you are at some level that I wasn't able to see. I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> so, um, but I want to start with, so you were born in France. Tell me how you got involved in soccer in the first place. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good question. I mean, I am French as you can probably hear from the accent, but the, um, the way it, it started is 
we were you know living uh, not too far from from the PSG center so my mom was you know always uh, open to me trying new new sports and new ac- curricular activities so she she was like hey you can play tennis you can play soccer what do you want to try and what what do you want to start so i'm like okay well uh, let's try both and um so i started with both sport and then you know fell in love with soccer because of you know you have you know a team you have locker rooms you can make jokes you have a, you have a real team and 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 teammates which i always appreciated and um, and so I, I i picked soccer as a as a curricular activity and then started at four uh in a club in in south of france and then my parents moved to to um to paris for work so i i went to the club close to my house and um and so my mom was you know living not too far from the psg center so she was bringing me you know once a week at first when i was five for training and then you know loved the the training we had a game and it started as a curricular activity and then when you get older you you go from one training to two training to three training to four training to five training to six training and then it goes up and up and up and the intensity increases of course and you know when you're at 11 12 the training at the clubs the traditional training are not enough the the repetition and so the, can the i let me stop you for a second so yeah. let me stop you for a second so you, yeah. it wasn't like venus and serena williams where the parents were like you're going to be a professional you did it recreationally yeah so w- when i was when i started playing soccer at five i really fell in love with the so- with the sport and with the soccer so i i asked my mom hey can I do that for work? Like, I really love the sport. Like, <laughs> would that be possible for me to do, like, be soccer, a soccer player as, as my job? Because I saw people were like, oh, fireman, ambulance, whatever the, the job. And I'm like, hey, mom, can I do soccer as my job? And she's like, yeah, sure. So from five to, like, I once I signed professional at, at 17, my goal every day when I was training, I was... For, for sure starting casual but my goal my end goal was like hey one day i'm going to sign professional so every training but let, me, but let me ask you let, let me stop you but yeah. isn't that a big risk for your mother because i you know i know your family and it wasn't that a big risk for her to say sure go ahead because clearly if you were going to be focusing on soccer you're probably not going to be paying that much attention to your studies i'm guessing you're going to be like obsessed eating sleeping drinking. There's no time for anything else. So that says something really about your mother, about being a risk taker, right? Wasn't she concerned at all? Like, what if this doesn't work out? Or was she just thinking like, maybe he'll grow out of it? Or is she just yeah. like, awesomely I mean, supportive? Yeah, I mean, I know she's a great mom. I know she's great. But... I think it's a little bit of everything. I think she's supportive, but also uh, she wanted me to follow my passion and then go through my passion as far as I, as I could. And then along the way, maybe step back or like, you know, realize things that 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 would have made the the choice a little bit different. But the thing is, um, the the opportunity that was given at the time was like, hey, you're gonna focus on soccer and you're gonna you know improve your soccer. But the thing that I quickly realized a little bit because of the position in which I was playing which was number 10 and I had to organize the offense and understand how the other opponents were playing and like where the weaknesses were. I quickly realized that school was helping me to be better at soccer. So like inherently both sides of the table, like the sport and soccer and then 
school were like working it, with each other. Of course, sometimes they were competing for time and like I, I wanted to take a nap instead of doing my math, you know, homework or something like that. But at the end of the day, quickly realized that, you know, economics and like math and like other um, classes were helping me to acquire like mind, not the mindset, but like the vision and the skills and the intellectual needed to fulfill the role uh, of like offensive offensive midfield on the field. So mm-hmm. my mom was like literally a risk taker at first and she was like, hey, follow your passion. But it never really uh, hurt the, the classes because she was always telling me like, hey, if you don't do well on classes, then guess what? We're going to skip training. So it was really <laughs> clear that, you know, you have to follow your passion, but, <laughs> you know, passion should not hurt your brain or your classes and your, that's, your grades. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to know. And then, and yeah. so where, so this is actually, I was going to ask this question later, but so for you, was it, I mean, so the reason I told the story about you coming to the gym with me is because when I saw you moving, I thought, Oh my God, he looks uncoordinated. I'm going to tell you now you didn't know this. I was like, Oh God, so uncoordinated. Look at me. I'm so <laughs> grateful. And then the woman who never talks to me, she came down and pointed you out and was like, uh, who are you? Like, I don't remember what she said, but she came straight to you. And by the way, everybody followed that teacher around. And like, she's like a God to everyone. She never talks to anyone comes in, but she came off stage to talk to you because clearly, you know, you were, I guess the way that you were moving, she could tell (laughs) that you were at some different, like, you know, level athletically. So for you, was it, did you, you clearly, I mean, let me not answer the question. Is it nature or nurture? Did you have a talent that you developed or was it something that you didn't have and you were just like, I'm going to practice this. I'm going to get really good. Or was it both? And then when did you know, like, Hey, I'm actually pretty good enough to be professional. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a good question. I think the the first part of the question is, I think I, I inherited um, physical skills from my dad because my dad was like a a, a long distance runner uh, back mm-hmm. in the day. So I, I I think I got that part uh, from the get go and 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 use that to improve my quote unquote soccer skills because you know you have like specific skills ne- needed for soccer. So more like the technical and, and the and the tactical side of the game. Um, so but the thing is, as everything like all. It, everything is 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 about repetition. I think you have like literally natu- some natural skills and some natural uh, benefit that you, you you can have from from the start. And I think endurance was one of it. But then uh, the 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 repetition of training for um, pretty much certain years before becoming professional uh, was definitely uh, the accelerator. And then I think the the switch between um, the PSG team and then the, the team with whom uh, with which I, I signed my first contract uh, was kind of like the, the the time where I understood that all the things that I've done the last 12 years <laughs> meant something because <laughs> I could I could benchmark that with with other champion, other championship and other teams mm-hmm. and um, and you know people also that didn't know me at all for the past 12 years believed in me at that time and gave me an opportunity which for me was like very valuable and a, a, a kind of a, a milestone in in that kind of realization how old were you when you started to figure out that you had a talent for this well 
I was training until like 12 and then at 12 years old, like the coaches went to see my mom and she, they were like, Hey, if your son wants to join the, the boarding school to train on a more regular basis and to be really focusing on school and, and, you know, when school is done soccer on a really regular and professional basis, he has to join the school. So they come, they came to see my mom and then my mom had a, and I had a talk and say, Hey, would you want to do it? And so I went through the three different, uh, at the time where I went there, they had three boarding schools, uh, one from 12 to 13 and then 14, 15 and then 16, 17 and 18 and three different locations. So you had to go to three different schools. Um, and the last one being in Saint-Germain, which is the city where the, 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 the team and the, the boarding school um he's headquartered and and over there it's like you don't even go to a school the school comes to you so it's like literally the professors come to the center the boarding school and they teach you classes um so it's kind of like no commute no fatigue really to make sure that your body is using the energy in the right way and so this so basically the the boarding schools are special schools that um, are set up to both schools. So they're teaching you like math and you know reading all that stuff. But it's 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 to develop soccer players. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, that's right. So the the two first schools is really you have like a calendar that is organized to make sure that you can fit soccer. So it's really you go to school from traditional school from eight to four, and then you train from four to six. So that's kind of the two first schools. Mm-hmm. The last one, it's a, it's a model a little bit different where has, uh, where you have like the boarding school, which is, you know, rooms, you sleep there, you have classes, classes in the basement or the underground where professors are coming there. And then the boarding school is literally like five minutes from the pitches where you train. And so you have everything on the site and you don't go to a traditional school, but the school comes to you. So that's kind of like uh, the last last model is like what you were describing. Yeah, it's like a, it's like I think I don't know about sports, but I know like like a, in professional actors and stuff do that. Like they have somebody come on set and tutor them, but mm-hmm. they're actually pursuing their career at a young age. So then, so then, did you feel that you missed out on a lot of stuff? Because I'm sure you had friends grow. Well, I don't know. Maybe you didn't. But you, uh, I'm sure you had <laughs> friends, friends growing up, and then all of a sudden now you're at a boarding school where you're sent away, but you're excited because of the camaraderie and everything. But did you ever feel like, oh, I'm seeing my friends like going to regular school and, you know, there's a girl I like, you know, all of that stuff sort of gets left. It's a different life. Um, Did you ever feel that you were making that sacrifice or was it like, no, this is my destiny and I I love soccer and this is it? It's it's uh, it's interesting because now that now I see all the sacrifices that I that I did, like, for example, when I was still living at home and I know I had training or soccer, like we had like a cutoff on sleep uh which was like you go to bed at eight uh and i'm like well it's pretty early but you know <laughs> the next morning <laughs> wait that's I what like, i used to say to you <laughs> when you would leave what? the party <laughs> when i when i wake up in the next morning and it's like seven i'm like fully rested and i can take on like those two trainings and then the school um load so it's like you have to know where, where you put your energy um but looking back i mean sure i, I didn't do things that 
teenagers were doing um, during school or during vacations. But at the time, and even now, I'm like, I'm, I'm not even, I, I was so focused into yeah. the fashion and the love that I had with the sport and like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm on a mission. This is my goal. I fixed this goal when I was five. This is, this is where we need to go. That I was already, I was fully fulfilled with what I was doing. I, the thing that I was sacrificing on were definitely sacrifices, but not like that meaningful to me. I mean, going to clubs or like cinema or like outside or it's like, sure, I, I would have loved to do it, <laughs> but I don't, I, I, I don't think that it's, um, a big, that was a big loss and still, I, I still don't think it was a big loss to, to that day. So you were really driven by your passion. And as, as we mentioned before, so it was really, you know, you had, you had talent and you were also developing that. And of course your coaches and the people that were in, you know, that were, um, uh, whose sort of camp or school that you were in saw that and encouraged you to pursue this. So you're pursuing this. Um, and then at what point do you realize, oh, and there's a question, did you ever consider another team? Well, how did you, so this this boarding school is a feeder into PSG, is that right? So, so all, the, all the boarding schools that I described were PSG boarding schools. So, oh, I see, I see. So when yeah. you're picked, the, the, the assumption is that you're training to potentially be on the team. You're not automatically accepted, right? Yeah, that's right. So the the way it started, like five, you go to the club. It's an open club, so everyone can train. But then they 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 rank the players with like A, B, C. So best player plays A, like the others play in B, and then the last one plays in C. And then you go over time. But then when you get in at twelve, you have the opportunity to join like the PSG first boarding school, which is a selection of players, and you have to meet the criteria that they have set. And then from this boarding school to the second boarding school, which is still PSG you have to keep your place or like your seat at the table. So you have like 16 seats like, and like a lot of people apply and you can have to stay on, on, on the team. And then same for this last one, which is even more competitive because it's close to professional. So everyone wants to, to go there and you have to keep, keep, uh, <laughs> keep the good work and, 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 and stay, stay focused. But yeah, those three are like, integral and and part of of the psg is just that they cut the the boarding school by age but they are all related to the same institutions and they're feeding it but you but you can end up like getting cut at any point in the way like like, you can be in the second boarding school and be you're clearly better than pretty much anybody you know but they can be like you know what you're not good enough to go to the next thing so yeah that's right Okay, and then what if you're flunking out of regular school? Like, what if like you're doing really bad in math or something? Clearly, their their number one thing is to create awesome players. But if you're not doing well academically, what happens? Because uh, obviously, there are a lot of people that you know probably were terrible students that are amazing soccer. Players. But what happens along that path? And how? I'm very curious at the mechanics um, of this. Like, what happens if you're like terrible but like amazing soccer player? You know? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the boarding school are really uh, made to prep and build professional athletes. So the, the, the main goal for the schools are definitely to uh, prep and build those those players. But again, school and, and classes and, and the, the different topics are usually very helpful for the evolution of the player as well as, as the man or the, the woman, uh, depending on, on, the, on the teams. And um, I think a club where you are like like an okay student, 
uh, they will like, okay, let go. If you're like a really, really bad student, this will like bring red flags on like the ability to understand the game as the game gets more and more complicated. So I don't think any player want really to be like, like really, really bad. I mean, having difficulties on like one or two classes is fine. I think you can just catch up. But being like a really bad student reflect poorly on like your ability to be a, a really great athlete. And um, because, I mean, it's the So you get of... penalized for that, really. I'm surprised because... You're not, you're not, uh, you're not think... getting penalized, uh, per se. No, I, I mean... Say, uh... But like uh, maybe... Well, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I, I would say maybe, maybe penalized is, is, is a, a little bit strong. But what I would say is like you, you are being looked at in a different way which is, is not always positive. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different values and, and skills that you can add to the table when you are like, you know, a good quote-unquote student. You can bring leadership, you can be a role model, you can be a captain. So I think there's a lot of incentive for players to be doing at least okay at school. So they're actively encouraging you to do well on all fronts. Versus, mm-hmm. John, you are a phenomenal soccer player. I know you flunked out of like math, English, and chemistry, but that's fine. We're going to get you around that because they really are also concerned that you are uh, you are moving along in, in your schoolwork, in your academics mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. So you go through these three boarding schools, clearly. So you pass every hurdle, and I'm sure every hurdle you pass you're like a little bit more excited because you're like, wow, <laughs> right? You're like, wow, I'm about to become, my life is about to change. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. I mean, the the evolution of, of the boarding school is also the evolution of the training, the evolution of, of who you are as an athlete, the evolution of the interaction that you have with the field and then, you know, solicitation and, and, you know, it's it's an evolution also who you are as, as a as a as a person too. Uh, you go from like twelve to seventeen, so you're not the same person at all. Mm-hmm. And um, and also the relationship with others uh, outside of soccer also evolve. And um, and yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, seventeen is like really sixteen, seventeen is really quote unquote money time. It's like where okay, you are like quote unquote old enough to either get what you need or what it's needed or it's going to be tough for you to catch up. So it's like, it's kind of like a, a, a very important uh, milestone. And um, so that's, that's the, the last, last, ma- last step before the, the decision, you know, I mean, some players are um, succeeding a little bit later. So I wouldn't say it's 16 or mm-hmm. nothing, but you know, 16, mm-hmm. 17, 18 is really where the decision is made. Some other players are, are really starting at nineteen twenty, and they do really well. But mm-hmm. usually, that there is like a decision to be made. At, at They're more age. the exception to the rule. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It's funny. That's that's true in so many things, right? Like as diverse as like I, in modeling. I remember when I was a model. Like in the in the old days, you had to start when you were twelve or thirteen. I mean, now you know you can be like you know one hundred and fifty. It doesn't matter. But when back, you know, when uh, when there were real models, um, you would start when. When you were 12 or 13 um and 16 was considered too old and you look at that and then you go to mathematics right they always say mathematics is a young person's game uh and that no sort of mathematical discoveries are made after a certain age i don't know if i completely uh think that that's true i'm sure somebody will come along and, and do something but um so i think in a lot of these kind of 
um, professions, whether they require stamina, uh, physical stamina and strategic stamina like soccer or just mm-hmm. sheer kind of brain power like mathematics or even things which, you know, are a little bit less uh, uh, hefty, like, you know, professional modeling. Or they start you out really young, but um, and, and you, you kind of have to grow into it. So I want to ask you, so you're in boarding school. So then what is that? What happens for you to get into the actual PSG? Is there a test? Um, do you have to play a game? And I want to hear like what that was like, like and the night before you hear the decision. So what, ha- what was the sequence of events and what was it like for you personally um, before you heard the decision and then after? Yeah. I mean, the, the decision is, is not really like, a, Hey, you have to go. It's more so like you train with your team and then, you are invited to joining the training with, you know, the first team or the second team. So it's, it's really naturally, um, it's a natural process based on skills and, and level that you show. So once you, you are, you're like at the last boarding school, it's really a natural process where you get invited at training with, you know, the professional, the professional team or the, they call it the reserve. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you do well, with those invitation and and with those um, exhibition with the reserve, then they are offering you a, a professional contract. So it's it's really a natural way of like, okay, well, you have to show what you're worth through the different means that we provide you. And then once this is done, it's either you fulfill or you're, you're, you're showing um, people are getting excited about your level or they, they don't. And if they don't, then you, you have to find another club. And then... Uh, John? I think you're kind of you're kind of weaving in and out. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know if your signal. No, I I have a good signal, but I maybe I can I can talk more closer to the mic. Yeah, uh, no, it's actually the phone was going up. But I, so we I got that you you were talking about um, natural progression, and then you're doing kind of these uh, I'm going to call them test or sample. I don't know what the word that you just used games. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, exhibition, uh, either either as a reserve or actually on the team. And then if you do well, there. but what I'm saying is that's still kind of a little test, right? You could still get cut there until you actually make the PSG team, right? Yeah, the, the, the professional team, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm asking. So yeah, right yeah. in that little middle thing, that must have been nerve wracking, right? To play a couple of those games, because even if you're confident in your own ability, anything could happen, right? You could have a bad day. Somebody could just shine that day. Um, and maybe there's not room for you. Uh, so what was that whole process like? And it was it like you went to bed one night, like waiting to hear. And then the next day you hear or like, you know, take us with you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's more so, um, you know, you go through the season and then at the end of the season, like um it's not like a, a review per se but it's it's more so you know they have a decision uh among the the coaches and the manager of the team and they have like a team to build right so you have you know i don't know 25 players and you just have... went out can you hear now me now i can i heard 25 play <laughs> <Then it went. laughs> all right so you know they have to build their team as well internally so you have, you know, 25 players to in a team. So you have the, you know, the main team and then you have the new used players to add to the team. And then mm-hmm. based on, on the position and based on the level and like the attributes that you've shown, 
the last season, then they include you into the professional team. And then if you, they include you in the professional team, then you sign your professional contract, which is usually three years. And then if you don't, um, and you, you, you turn to another team. The, okay, the but tell me I, what happened for you specifically. So yeah, you yeah, played yeah. a game and then... <laughs> so it's not it's not like really a, a game, it's 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 a set of games. Um it's a like a, of- an, an yeah, a bunch of games the entire season. And uh, I mean for me like the, the decision was not positive when I, I was uh, in the in the office of, of the last coach that I played with. Um and you know they they, they made a decision that I was not going to pursue um, the last step with with the PSG team. Um, oh wow! Okay. So the, the 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 shift happened happened there, and but the 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 reality is that the um, at the time I I was literally like very disappointed, of course, because I um, I couldn't you know fulfill the 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 last step on on this on this path, but the the reality is that the the other path that I took was a little bit more efficient and uh, a little bit more straightforward than than the first path that I thought was ideal. So mm-hmm. you know, I I think uh, all things considered, were, were everything worked perfectly. You know. And so then, so then, did you end up making the actual team team, or was that were you playing in a reserves, or so like what? So what happened? So the 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 thing is like when you um you go through the different boarding schools then the the last step is you sign with your they call it your um training club so the the, the club that has been training you for the past 10 years or 5 mm-hmm. years so it's it's considered like the source of of your skills if this club is not signing you as a professional player then you're free to find another club so it's what I what I did and another club signed me professionally so what was the other club uh, it was Lyon. It was it's in south of France, co- close to Lyon. Yeah. And so um, I, uh, I I played there two years, and they they gave me my chance right away. I mean, I was uh, seventeen, and I came there. No one knew me. Um, I did the trial as as you were um, referring referring um, to earlier, Sarayu, with the team. The coach liked me, and then gave me my chance with the first team. So this is kind of where I. I, I signed my professional contract. I stayed there two years and everything worked well. Um, all the clubs looked at me and then I moved a little bit north where I signed with Dijon where, where the mustard is made. And I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I had a You were making mustard. You were making mustard. <laughs> I was making mustard on, before the nap, but... Uh, Dijon. Dijon. Dijon was a great experience too. Um, it's all about, you know... And then course. Amiens, where the cathedral is. Exactly. And then uh, Red Star. Okay. So, okay. So I actually didn't even know this about you. So then you went from team to team to team in that pro sort of circle. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And yeah. so then are you playing? So it's kind of like leagues, right? So you're, but you're still playing like at a very, very high professional level. And that's again, a different life. It's not a nine to five, you know, your friends are going to like whatever internships and nine to five life graduate school and you're practicing and you're playing and recovering, right? Mm-hmm. Practicing, playing, reco- that's really your life. Well, what, at what, at what age? At all those ages from like, um, you know, from basically like five to oh, like yeah. 26. Essentially. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, no, that's, that's right. I mean, definitely. 
school training recovering school training recovering and then training training recovering training training recovering yeah, okay. that, yeah. so then at 26 you make the decision that um you're leaving that life so couple of what made you well what made you do that or were you forced to do that number one how did you decide what to do next and what was it like leaving professional sports and the reason i ask you is because I know a lot of professional athletes, um, baseball, football. Um, I don't know if I know anybody in soccer, uh, hockey. Um, and they find the transition and especially the more elite they are. Like I know guys that went to the Super Bowl. It's really tough for them when their career is over for whatever reason, right? Either they, they play out, you know, and it's like their time has come or they get cut or have an injury or something happens. Mm -hmm. But I find the vast majority of them have a really hard time transitioning to real life um, and probably don't make the best decisions with money. <laughs> um and also another pattern I've noticed, which we can talk about, is a lot of them go into finance, you know, and I think there are reasons for that, but it's, it's interesting. They all go <laughs> into like some kind of financial area. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so how did that come to an end? How did you decide what was going to happen next? And wasn't that like a shock for you? Because here you are now, you know, mm -hmm. you're almost 30 uh, most people, you know, are running around kind of like on a trajectory of doing something, thinking about getting married, and you're kind of just being born into the world right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. You know, that's right. I mean, the the thing to the the transition that could be very difficult or not, I think it's it's like a mental thing, and also like the fact that you need to understand why the transition is here, like the reason why and accept it and and if you don't like then of course it's painful but the, for me it's like it, it was a, a choice like without like really a choice i mean the last season when i played for red star i had a lot of injuries uh on my body which like really horrible i mean i was injured like nine months out of 11 or something like that so it was like a really black uh season what is I, what was red star what was red star red star was the last team that i played for it's a very historical um club in in paris it has been around for like, like I think, 100-something years. and um, Why isn't it Rouge Etoile? Why is it like Red Star? <laughs> I Weird. Think that, yeah, I think it, it has to be um, related to um, like a symbol at the time. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's uh, in English. Know. Yeah, I think they made it. They made it maybe it was like branding-wise. It was a better sound. I don't know. But okay. uh, interesting, interesting teams um, nonetheless. And yeah, I, I hurt myself uh, a lot this season and I could feel that the recovery of my body was getting slower and slower. So it was a very frustrating process for me as an athlete. Go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was, I was saying um, my body was, you know, hurting and, and recovering slower and slower and not being able to use my body as, as my tool as an athlete was very frustrating. Yeah. And, um, and so... You know, I had conversation with my two favorite people on the planet, and I talked to my mom and to my sister, and she were like, <laughs> 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 and, and then um, they they were they were telling telling me, hey, you know, you're 26, <laughs> it might be a good time for you to switch and 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 think about other opportunities. And she, my sister, studied in the U.S. and she was like, hey. 
do some research on non-traditional programs for athletes. You might find some interesting content. So we did some research and we find those non-traditional programs for, you know, non-traditional students such as for, former athletes, um, musicians, mm-hmm. actors, single mom, single dad, blah, blah, blah. So, so I applied and applied. I found two, two uh, programs, actually, the resume undergrad education at Brown. Mm-hmm. And general studies at Columbia in New York. So, with my sister, work on the applications together for a long, long, uh, long, long months. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I went back to school to study English because my English was very dusty. Uh, I mean, 14 years after my last uh, English lesson, or maybe you know, 10 years. So that that's the that's the reason why I kind of switch and and uh, reorient myself. And and how, wasn't that a hard transition? Because now you're also older and you're doing an undergraduate degree and you're dealing with all of these, you know, like 17, 18-year-olds, you know, they're like, you know, like excited to go have a beer or whatever, right? It's it's difficult. You're adult. You've had actually a different kind of life. Uh, and you're now with a bunch of kids, essentially, um, in in, you know, elite schools. Uh, in the United States. So it's a culture difference, like literally like a different culture. You are, uh, and, and also academically, because that's not something, I mean, you've been doing your academics, but now you are, you know, kind of like a full-time student. Um, you also are older. Mm-hmm. So that puts you in a different position. And so, and I also happen to know that you were working through school. And so there are a lot of different things that you're doing that make you a very atypical student. And at the same time, you, this is a new world for you. It's like you're being born all over again. So, I mean, how did you, how did you handle that? Um, it, it, is it something, I mean, were you... Is it, did you ever sit back and go, oh my God, I hate this and I wish I could be back on the field or, you know, um, I think there's also a little bit of feedback. Um, I think it, it might help to put the microphone on and off. I think that might actually be part of the problem. Um, yeah, I think we'll probably have better. And then as soon as I stop, then you can. So, um, yeah. So how did you, I mean, how did you feel about that? Cause I've always wondered I, I i've known that with my friends that were came from like as i mentioned you know football or baseball or, or tennis that played like world i'm talking about like wimbledon world. when they left it was so difficult for them and many of them just felt like they were being choked sitting at a desk or you know going to school so what was it like for you yes yeah, so the the transition i think was um not i mean it was definitely complicated on the intellectual level just because i was used to <laughs> train my body and use my body on a daily basis definitely my mind but the focus and the emphasize now is shifting towards you know studying and taking classes and just you know a lot of a new content to 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 digest a new language everything is in english which uh is um definitely burning uh at at first when you you change country but the 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 relationship that i had with learning also was 
always a good relationship but it's it's going back to the question initially sarah you where you were like hey were you focusing on school well because i focused on school early on then when i went back to school this part of my brain was still you know very receptive to learning growing and evolving which is what i like about the uh, the american culture and and what i i really loved uh, at brown is like everything is about experiencing learning growing trying um you know failing succeeding but you know going through all the different steps and so my undergrad was just a complete you know huge library with a lot of learning and what doesn't really matter if you're 18 17 16 or 59 well you have something i can learn from or you have something that i don't know that i can learn from you and that's kind of what I was looking for in in this un, in undergraduate experience, which you know for me was like a kid in in a, in a toy store. I mean, looking at everything, all these books and different languages, different classes, different topics. Um, so I, I was really amazed, and I had like a, a blast. And I was interacting with with seventeen, eighteen years old, and I, I'm like I was amazed at how different <laughs> interests we had, and, and you know every time was a was a blast. So great great uh transition in that in that point i definitely sometimes miss the camaraderie and and the locker room vibe yeah. uh, but i did some student coach assistant so mm-hmm. i had this 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 feel and this this relationship with the players as as a quote-unquote coach so that kind of also nurtured this this side of of the of the soccer that i i was missing but overall i i think it's again going back to mindset and to okay what are you doing then like why are you going back to school you're going back to school to learn to grow to acquire new skills so just focus on that um and appreciate the fact that you're learning um that's really nice to hear um and i think it's a very unusual story uh to be honest and it's it's really really nice to hear and you choose america why it's like why are you making things harder for yourself your sister was here was that why you came or did you just want to completely leave France behind or was it, I mean, was there a reason why you chose to come to the United States versus uh, try to finish up in France or even Europe? So yeah, the, the, the reason was definitely, so my sister studied at McGill, which is North America and she applied for North American schools and, and American school as well. So she had this experience on application and, and also understood very well the, the, the mindset and the perception that, those universities had on athletes so she kind of pointed me through this um, process and also in that direction and it's kind of how we found those non-traditional programs the reason why we picked the U.S. was two things one was the perception on athletes and the the positive um, spin that they have or or the, the perception on the story which has more way more positive than uh, in Europe and also yeah. two yeah, the, um, my passion for business and and economics and business here is like a in the US is it, 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 it's a religion which yeah. is a little bit, little bit different in, in in Europe. So if you want to learn about business, then you go to you yeah. know, the best country for business, which is you know the US. Yeah, that's I think that's exactly right. I mean, to an extreme, I, it's we're t- very transactional. That's what this country is about. And yeah, I was just laughing because I was thinking, yeah, like in. What's interesting is maybe in an older, you know, country like France, it'd be like, oh, you didn't really make it at the big leagues, did you? But in America, they're so excited 
that you were there and that you're transitioning from that to this and how can you transition your skills, you know, and all of that stuff. So I think that's, that's really astute of you guys and, and, uh, 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 you know, very smart. Um, so you, you end up like studying at Brown, uh, you end up, then uh, working in tech and in finance, um, and you're working in finance now. So were there, I mean, I don't know if there's anything that you want to say about any of those uh, times, if there are any sort of lessons, if there's any contrast, like what it was like for you uh, to not be sort of, uh, you know, uh, in, in a really different kind of atmosphere. And I happen to know, because we did work together, that um, you know, that you were working multiple jobs and in school. And uh, it's something that, uh, I mean, it sort of not only touched me kind of on a personal human level, like, look at this guy, you know, like, here we are complaining about, like, everything, you know, and, you know, you're working like three different jobs and in school and, uh, you know, trying to make things work. And, uh, um, you know, and you have a small family. Um, I don't mean like you're married or anything. I mean, like, you know, you have a very small uh, core family, your sister and your mom. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, I mean, do you have any, like, any, like, overwhelming impressions or any lessons or anything about the transition? I mean, I feel like you just took on challenge after challenge uh, in in coming here. Um, I don't think, you know, I sometimes think what if that had been me, I think it would have been much more difficult to go in the opposite direction, uh, for me to, you know, leave something like what you did and go to France. And as you know, like I went to school in France and that was hard enough, <laughs> but, um, like, you know, going, it's very, very difficult to go from the United States to anywhere else in the world, but it's really easy for people to come from elsewhere, uh, and, come to the U.S. But nevertheless, uh, you overcame some really big things. I don't know if there's anything that you want to share about um, any of that sort of path from, you know, Brown to all your professional life to where you are now. Yeah, the, the, the thing that is, is interesting is that when I started working uh, in New York, you know, the, the, the workload was really, uh, really heavy. And I... I I really kind of appreciate or leverage the endurance and the, the 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 workload that I've done as as an athlete to be able to transfer that to the work workload that was like real life, and I think there definitely some transferable skills that that you, you can that you are using in sport like teamwork, work ethic, um, you know, perseverance, all these you know, core skills that you can definitely transfer when you work but it's not really that you transfer those skills it's like really like it's part of your dna now it's like you've been doing that for 20 years 26 years 30 years so now that you're like part of like another life and part of the work life the skills that you have been training in different circumstances in in the past are really part of who you are like you're a new version of yourself uh, with all these different attributes so i think that's like a very um, key point to stress and I, also the second thing is like when I looked at all the trainings that I've done uh, through the years and I've done a lot of them but weirdly enough I don't remember all of them but I remember all the key trainings that taught me something so maybe 20 maybe 30 key trainings like okay 
this happened today and this taught you X, Y, Z, or this showed you that you can do that or can do that. Or like there is like 20 or 30 trainings that are still fresh in my memory for like some weird reasons, I think, but they all are like, sometimes you don't remember the things that happened in your teenage, uh, in childhood or as a teenager. Uh, but those like really are like fresh in my memory as if my brain was keeping them alive or like really fresh for those to hint or flash at some point in my life. So that's kind of like a, a second thing that is, is interesting to, um, to highlight. So, I mean, you mean, when you say trainings, I think you mean lesson. Right? Or like so- soccer trainings. Like there is like, maybe I train like, I don't know, 2000 training or maybe 10,000 mm. training out of those 10,000 soccer trainings. Some trainings taught me really specific things about myself, about who I should be, who I am as a player, who am I as an athlete, as a man, like how should I behave? Like there is different learning lessons coming out of this training that are really clearly defined in my brain. So what, give us like some of the uh, like top lessons that you might have, like, is there one or two things that stick out in your mind from like, uh, um, uh, uh, from your from your like your your soccer training yeah yeah, yeah. There's, there's one example that is fresh in my mind and when i was 17 i remember one training we were it was winter um rainy rainy season in france of course rain starts when we start the athletic training which is the hardest part which is already super hard when it's dry but even harder when it's uh swampy and and and, and moody um so so we train we start the athletic training at the end of the training and you know one of the player one of my teammates has trouble hitting the distance on time so when you do athletic training you have a distance to cover and a time allocated to the distance right if you don't arrive that on time well guess what you have to do it again but this day yeah this day was not on individual performances it was on the group performances meaning if any player was arriving late at the line when the time was up, then the entire team, like 20-something players, had to do the training again. So <gasps> that was like pretty pretty intense. But this day, you know, one of the players was not feeling that great. So by a matter of fact, if we were not helping him, then we were all paying the price and going to do it again. And this player would have been feeling less good over time. So... That day, you know, we just all went in the back and then pushed this player and running with this player and pushing him in the back for all of us to arrive on time. Well, the lesson here is like pretty straightforward. It's like, hey, tomorrow you can feel bad, but if someone supports you, then, you know, you can go further, further, further out. So it's like the 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 essence of team sport is like you are better armed with others around you. Um you know, alone you can go quick, but uh, with certain those people, you can go further. That's kind of the principle of this specific training. But yep. seeing that in front of my, in my in my eyes, under the raining, I was really wet, not feeling my shoes, not feeling my shorts, and pushing this guy through the the wind uh, was like a pretty uh, pretty intense uh, uh, epitome of of the story. Yeah, certainly, I know in any company where I've had to, especially with all the startups where I've had to do hiring, including, you know, at Cargo, where we work together. And I think you know this, 
I was very specifically looking for people that had athletic backgrounds or that were, you know, had like military backgrounds. Why? Because these are the guys that you want in the foxhole with you. And many, many people, and I think you saw a lot of this sort of firsthand, were asking me why I wasn't going back to, you know, uh, business schools to recruit or why I wasn't going to, you know, uh, all the great undergraduate schools in New York. And I said, listen, because we're really building a company like nobody's getting paid a lot here. This is a startup. Right. And I think we've lost what that idea was. And we had prominent investors, you know, and we're doing something very, very interesting. And I said, but this is a real startup. And that means that, um, you know, you do have these sort of sacrifices that you make. And um, that's kind of how it is. You know, it's like sort of deferred sweat and tears. And, um, you know, what you're hoping for is to have something uh, interesting, useful, uh, or necessary come out on the other side that, that can scale essentially. And, you know, my, my thought always was that, um, you know, there are a lot of great people out there, but what you really wanted was, you know, when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, what can I do? And, you know, you as sort of the CEO or whoever, say, uh, somebody needs to go get toilet paper or somebody needs to do this. What you really want is in a startup experience, someone to say, yeah, I'm on it. Not I'm the VP of community. I don't do that. That's not my job, which is so much of what I have heard throughout my career, right? As an investor, like I do remember, you know, uh, being in a situation where, you know, my own attitude is nothing is too small for me to do. I mean, if I can't physically do it, like pick up a giant suitcase, I mean, you know me, I'll probably try and break my back. But, um, you know, I do remember sort of as an investor, like having colleagues being, look, I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. You know, everybody gone to elite schools, had a really good track record of success. And that's not what I wanted. Um, I was like, those guys can come when I don't have to directly manage them. Like what I really want right now is folks that will, you want to be in the trenches with you, like in the worst possible scenario. And so I certainly understand that, that kind of team spirit. And I think, I think it's interesting. I think the top business schools, I know certainly HBS says this, um, you know, when I was there, it was a lot of guys from the military, a um, lot of like people that had had, you know, an ex-professional athletic career, you know, football, baseball, tennis. Um, and uh, because I think the very kind of leadership skills and the skills about teams and uh, the skills sort of about like just putting your nice nose to the grindstone, not getting discouraged, you know, persistence, practice, um, all of that stuff is kind of naturally in people that have gotten to that level. Um, so that, you know, that was certainly a reason why, you know, we were like very excited to have you. Of course, you're also a wonderful person, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, the, the book on, you know, building the habits, um, the habits book on, you know, everything that you do on a daily basis then, uh, is, is naturally embedded into who you become, um, is definitely true. I mean, the the beauty of repetition is is definitely uh, um working and impactful so um definitely see the the benefits are now that. did you have uh now did you get any lessons from any of the jobs that you were in where you walked away and you were like okay that's an interesting lesson <laughs> uh, in working in the real world because i know you've done a bunch of different things yeah i mean the 
there was different, definitely different lessons. The, the 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 thing that I would say on like the normal world is the the time where I was working at on campus at Brown, the you know the 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 um, the, the the foundation of who you are as a person um, should always remain. You know, you should always remain true to who you are, even when you work, when you're in a different environment. So sometimes when you work, you change um, the way you interact with people and you change yourself. Um, but I think it's it's important to uh, to keep in mind on how, how you got raised, where you're coming from, what's your culture, what's your value, uh, even though you're like in a different work environment. So keeping that in mind is, I, I think, I think key. And also like the communication when you are like in a work environment and when you're in a social environment or so social setting, the communication has to change. You cannot communicate and behave um, as you would if you were in a social setting. So I think I was aware of that, but I think seeing that in the first place and in New York or when you go from student to employee, you have to do this transition, which could be a little bit abrupt, but even more when you're in New York, you have to be mindful of of how you communicate with your peers from the same class when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're an analyst, but when you communicate with people above you where there's yep. more, there's more seniority. So uh, adapting the communication is definitely a key, key theme, but, um, otherwise, yeah, no, um, no, no real, um, key, uh, key, uh, learning on outside of the, the <laughs> you didn't learn anything outside <laughs> of the soccer field. <laughs> for now, for now, I mean, I learned things that, complement what I learned as as an athlete but um the the, the soccer world is, is is a fierce world so it's it's yeah. definitely sport but it's definitely a business behind it so there is definitely things again that are, are transferable and that you learn um in a in a sport context but <laughs> there's definitely business behind it so definitely um learnings uh, applicable in the in the business world as well you know, I think, uh, you know, I always think like one of the best pieces of, uh, you know, business advice I got is, um, you know, uh, from multiple people, including Craig, uh, who, you know, was one of our investors, uh, which was, you know, Craig Barrett, the former CEO and chairman of Intel, but that uh, was really, there's always room for excellence. But I think that, you know, that excellence is, is something uh, that will always find you a home, I think is sort of an important uh, piece of, of advice. Um, and I think that that is something that is definitely a value. Right? And so I think that's also something that when you were talking about values, I was sort of thinking about, um, you know, how do I want to conduct myself in this? So, um, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear you say all of this. Um, do you wish that you could go back to soccer if you had your choice. <laughs> you wish that you could be playing like for the big leagues versus what you're doing now. If I came down right now and said, I can give you that career. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, you can tell me later. Tough question. <laughs> tough question. Tough question, but simple answer. I, I don't think so. I think, I think I, I'm, uh, I'm, be I'm becoming wiser over the years. So I, I think I appreciate everything that happens for a specific reason. Yeah, and um, I, I, I just, I just love, you know, I just love the the things that are in front of me. I, I, I think soccer has been a big part of who I am, and I learned a lot from soccer. But 
I think it's it's a uh, it's an enabler. It's not like a, a, a anyway. You you can play until thirty five, maybe forty. When when you're forty, you have to still do something. Yeah, so, so I guess it's all Tom Brady that. <laughs> oh, okay. I did not say that. <laughs> well, he's a is is a different case, but um, but yeah, I mean, the transition has been pretty smooth, and I'm pretty happy about where I am right now. So, I uh, I would not use your your magic magic. Uh, you wouldn't really. No, I would. I wouldn't. I I think it's uh, it's uh, it's it would it would go against the fact that I appreciate everything that happened in this moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and do you and do you think that plays a part in how you feel, or is that something completely separate? Yeah, no, I think it's it's definitely related. The the spirituality and the, the mindfulness of the situation or the event that you are encountering are also how you respond to them, right? So if you are spiritual and see the, the glass always half full, uh, you can still make a learning or make something out of the situation, the event, um, the failure, the deception, the success. So whatever the feeling is, and I think that that helps into, you know, digesting the events, accounting or evolving through through the, through the different um, life event and, and milestone that that you get through as a as a person. So I think spirituality helps into definitely mindset and vision and and mental strengths that you acquire over time. And if if you see if you see the, you know. And any challenges as 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 an opportunity to to get better, and if you keep this positivity in you and spirituality help in that regard, then you can uh, definitely evolve and go through through a lot. So I think spirituality definitely helps. Do you do you have any regrets about anything? Mm, I mean, related to your soccer career yeah, or I, I, the way I, things- I have. Yeah, I have regrets. I mean, some decisions that I made weren't probably not the best. And then um, <laughs> some some things that I said when I was younger were probably not the best <laughs> thing to say. But <laughs> that's something that you did when you were younger. That's a different conversation. But, you know, you, no one is perfect. I mean, at the end of the day, from those regrets, I learn. And now that I'm in a different position, I remember those things and the situation that got me burned. And then guess what? I'm not going to do it again. Well, yeah. those are still regrets because you never know how this would have changed. If I have picked another club, another agent, another president, <laughs> you know, there's always like different cards that you can play at different times and you don't know what the outcome would have been. It would have been the same, similar, different, better, worse. You don't even know, but I know what I said and I know what I did and I know what I could have done. Maybe something better, maybe a little bit better, maybe maybe not. But um, I think those those regrets on specific situation are still um, beneficial. On, on I see that as a marathon in the long term. I mean, they're probably hurtful in the maybe five last ten years, <laughs> but maybe beneficial <laughs> for the next thirty years. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And and what is like the? Can you think of like some from your professional soccer career and then give me a highlight from your uh your life after soccer 
So you could, you cut off at the beginning, Sarah. Can you repeat the beginning of the question? Give me give me a highlight of your life during professional soccer. What was that highlight like during playing soccer? And then give me like a highlight after, like uh, in in the time after soccer and your working or your school life. Oh uh, yeah, I think the I mean <laughs> it w- it's gonna sound simple, but I think the highlight was first professional soccer game, and then first goal during this first soccer game. So I remember signing my first contract and then um, playing my first game. So those are kind of the highlights of of soccer. Was like probably the last game I, at the time. I didn't know it was my last game, but I had a feeling that that was a special game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, remember definitely all the all the, the time on this special last game. Um, so that's kind of the two highlights. I mean, it's it's like a a clap when it starts and the clap when it ends, which kind of summarize a little bit the mindset on 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 both sides of the table mm-hmm. and then definitely um i remember <laughs> i remember my first class back at school where i was in econ 101 pretty simple class but at the time very complicated i had literally no clue on what was going on like the words were different the pace was different i, I was literally lost um but still still good experience and uh i remember like in my graduation definitely uh end of student life and beginning of work life so that would be kind of the key highlights and then as a worker it's it's, you know small things but i think receiving the offer when you get from a student and graduating to becoming a worker is definitely always nice to see a a work offer with you know the proposal and all these details that are pretty uh, yeah cool to read and then um yeah that's kind of the the highlights for now okay if you had a kid that wanted to go do professional soccer would you be like go for it or would you be like hell no 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 i would definitely say go for for it really yeah it's it's sport and i think other um as you were saying military and music and and art are really like schools that are teaching you skills that are valuable for for the entire life. I mean, the, the, the 20 years that I spent in soccer probably taught me, you know, or like at least built the foundation for my entire life. I mean, the, the skills that I, I've, the, the experiences and the skill and the people that I interacted with and the different, you know, cultures and value system that I interacted with through those 20 years, I think have equipped me to be hopefully one day a great dad, you know, like uh, a great son. Like it's like, it's, it's foundational uh, boot camp and training in like so many dimensions. It's like, okay, you have like uh, athletic background, you have, you, you learn how to take care of yourself. You learn, learn how to make sure that your health is, is, you know, part of your daily life. You have to make sure that you train your brain to be you know, a, a great student. It's like, it's like, there's so many, so many, um, dimensions to sport that i would definitely um i mean maybe he would do soccer maybe we do judo maybe we do tennis maybe we would do something different but you know he or she will go as far as as their potential um allow them to go i mean potential is definitely mental so they can go as far as they can and if they want to do it they, they they definitely can do it if they want to do something different and be a physician or an astronaut or a mathematician, then they follow their their their, their path and their vibe and their passion. But I would definitely uh, 
not be opposed at least. <laughs> and what do you think about, and let me ask you, this is switching gears a little bit. What do you think about, um, uh, 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 us soccer, um, versus European soccer? Why do you think it's still so kind of behind? Yeah. I mean, the- it's a, it's a it's a matter of a couple of things. One is when the soccer, like football, really started, right? If you talk, if you take European soccer, it started like way, way, way earlier than US soccer. So the the time and repetition on a specific sport has a, a really high discrepancy, and then the, the the experience and the knowledge acquired during that time is also compounding over time, right? So for the U.S. to catch back this this discrepancy is going to take time. It's going to take resources, and then you know, of course, um, archi- like infrastructure, money, investment, training, uh, coaches, all these things that make your soccer better. So that's kind of like one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is, you know, the competition in the U.S. on sport level is really high, and in Europe is a bit less the case. I mean. Number one is soccer. So people all, at all the kids, have exposure to soccer right away. Whereas in the US, when you have a kid, you're like, "Hey, should we do football, NBA, baseball?" And well, then, are, you, are you just are you saying that they're just not as good at it because they haven't had the exposure? Yeah, the, like, the, have... the, the exposure is 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 definitely one, and also, I think the competition within sport is is more. Um, fierce here than in Europe like the the kids when they go to Europe they can play tennis they can play rugby or they can play soccer right it's three 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 really games uh or sports in in the US there is a six more com- competition around yeah. the, the choice yeah. and also like the 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 uh, the um facilities and 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 the pitches right here everything is is the art- artificial turf it's it's rare that you're like running on like a, a green grass field so the, the relationship with sport and 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 the relationship with soccer football is less um it's something weird but it's like it's less human with nature but it's like human with like a, a, a pitch so in europe we play on on field like it's like natural grass so you have like a sense of like okay i'm like in relationship also with like nature and like you know who i am as a person and you know you can like roll into this grass and it's like it's it's something fun it's like it's sport but it's like it's also like an experience i think overall that it's a bit more um i think genuine than what we have here in the us for now but um but that, that's kind of like the two the two maybe main reasons and the three is like also like the level of the coach and maybe the this comes also from the fact that you know there is more knowledge over time that has compounded but the level of the coach and the strategy and the players playing in Europe, when you, you, you idolize someone, like when you look at the stars in Europe, when you're a kid, you want to become like them, right? So that's also helps on like getting traction from kids and, and more and more, um, you know, growth into this sport, which is, it's, it's, it's coming up in the U S the U S has done a really, really good job the last 15 years, but it's still behind because of those reasons. Yeah, it's really, you know, I used to, um, when I started sports programming for the Harvard Club, I came to know all of the commissioners of every 
league, like football, baseball, soccer. And I remember the commissioner at the time gave me tickets, actually. So I took some of the guys that I played squash with to a game, like my only game that I can remember. But I remember, you know, we were talking about, like in the United States, things like squash um, are considered sort of elite sports. But when you go outside of the United States, everybody plays squash, Mm -hmm. you know, so like squash, cricket, soccer. I mean, these are sort of kind of like still have to gain the popularity that football and baseball, you know, I think tennis has kind of risen to a, uh, a place where everybody loves tennis. And then of course you have like superstars, like, you know, Venus and Serena that are just like also really interesting to watch. Yeah. And, uh, are, are interesting people. There is a very much a cult of personality also around, uh, a lot of athletes and stuff. And, and they take on a different kind of, like, I think in Europe, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, especially with soccer, like, the guys that are in soccer, like, they're just soccer guys, right? Like, they're going to be phenomenal. You know, they might be, like, stars because they marry somebody that is, like, a singer or an actress or whatever. But they're not, like, really crossing over to do other things. But when you look at, like, athletes in America, I feel like there's, you know, they make names that like multiple careers and multiple incarnations and they cross over to do different things. And yeah, uh, it's, so. it's, it's true that the, the, the cross pollination uh, among sport, it's, it's less a thing in Europe. So meaning when you start a sport, I think there is more special specialization within a sport versus I think you're right in the U S maybe people are starting with like, basketball and then they do lacrosse and then they do uh, baseball and then they do things so they they maybe try a little bit more um or maybe do hurtful to their maybe progression over like you know the short term whereas in in europe like if you play play soccer then while you play soccer like you have three training a week then you don't have enough time to do you know tennis or other things so you have to make a choice i think early on and the commitment is like happening early on. So I think it's also maybe one reason or like a structural standpoint where you have to commit to a sport and to play. If you, if you're not, if you don't commit, then you're going to do something different. So I think if you commit, you have more chance to improve at, at a faster rate uh, than if you were multi multitasking. Okay. And I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap up. Um, what's your favorite team? PSG, of course. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. okay. So you haven't changed. You're not like mm, it's Arsenal or it's no, no, okay. No. And is that I, your favorite sport? You still like watching it, also? I uh, I don't um, I don't watch it as as often. I I I I do watch some highlights, uh, but the thing is, when you're in the US, so you, 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 European soccer is like really different, weird times. So <laughs> it's right. like you really have to like put an alarm and like really, really working or sleeping on European times. But um, I don't really have a TV, so I don't have cable or anything. So it's difficult to to look at those games aside of maybe computer. But we How come? To... Oh, so do you watch, do you get like Netflix or something? You don't have like a real... No. Yeah. I am a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a PC laptop uh, person. I, I don't have a TV, but that might change in, in the future. But yeah, man, I I think I'm more now experiencing soccer in live whereas um before i was doing live and, and yeah i go to events if i if i can 
And, um, you know, and it must excited. be so different to be a spectator and not <laughs> on the field, right? Like you're probably like seeing things that you probably <laughs> didn't see when you were on the field. Like, oh my God, what is he doing? Right? Yeah, you're like, oh, that was wrong. Backseat driver. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh no, you should have not done that. Oh, the worst choice. Oh ever Lord. Done. But it's it's a different vision, and and it's uh. It's, you you see the sport in different ways. It's a little bit the same when you play chess or when you watch chess. It's just that the brain works differently, but it's it's enjoyable. Very very good. Okay, Jonathan, you have spent uh, you've been so generous with your time. It's been uh, an hour and a half. So um, I want to thank you for being on the show. And we had like a bunch of questions and and folks in the call queue, but I wanted to keep the conversation flowing. Um, but uh, and I think we covered actually some of the questions that came up. Um, there were some in the in the chat. But um, I want to thank you for sharing your perspective. Um, it is such a pleasure to hear kind of about your journey uh, and how you took the lessons that you've learned in your sports career and you know and applied them. And I think it's really interesting to see the journey through your eyes because a lot of people, you know. I don't think they understand what level you have to be at to play. I, I dated a few guys that were professional athletes and I used to be like, I could do that. You know, like, wow, <laughs> like, like baseball players and stuff that played for like MLB, you know, major league baseball. And I'm like, Oh, I don't yes. want that hard. But, um, you really have to be in a different, like a different, and that's why I told the story about the gym in the beginning. You have to be at a different level mm-hmm. of conditioning. Right. Um, and talent, obviously. So really kind of appreciate hearing your journey through. And uh, thank you. And so we are going to go out by playing another song that may be dear to your heart. If it's not, I know uh, thousands and thousands of soccer fans <laughs> will recognize it. Um, thank and, you, Sarah. Uh, are you? Yes, you're so welcome. And uh, we're going to listen to a little bit of Chumba Wumba as we go out. All right. Have a great evening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. I get no doubt.